Hey, I'm Ashley Lemieux, and I'm here to help you uncover the greatest power in your life. You! After going on my own healing journey, I realized I was looking for the wrong thing. A way out. But I didn't need a way out. What I really needed was a way in. To fully uncover who I am. Each week I'll be sharing tangible tools and inspiring interviews to help you create a clear pathway forward in areas of your life that you might feel stuck or overwhelmed in. I'm not here to be the expert on your life. You are. What I want is to help you believe that. So get ready to reframe your thoughts, reimagine your future, and reclaim your power. Are you ready? I am. I'm actually in the closet right now with my guest. Hello, everyone. (laughs) We're really close to each other, and it's really uncomfortable. (laughs) Why is it uncomfortable for you to be close to me? It's just... The closet situation just feels really claustrophobic, and we're sharing a microphone, so you're really close to my face. I've actually never been happier. (laughs) Well, I'm excited to have you on here today, but we are still on our family vacation in California, and everyone's in the house, and we needed to record, so we found the quietest, least, least, least echoey place. And it's the closet in Father Shine's room. So, yeah, so here we are. Here we are. In all seriousness, I'm so excited to have my husband, Mike, here with me today. Hello, everyone. And you already said that. Hello. There. <laughs> okay, that's good. Mike has been wanting me to start a podcast for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And I wanted Mike to be one of my first guests. And something that we often hear and get asked from so many of you is how do I stay close to my spouse, Mm -hmm. especially during hard times? And so today our episode is all about I am grieving with my spouse, how to stick together when your world falls apart. Now, if you don't know much about us, if you don't know much about our background, I'm going to give you a very quick rundown. Yesterday actually was September 15th. You're listening to this a week later. And it was the original due date for our baby boy who I had a miscarriage earlier this year. And man, yesterday, leading up to yesterday was hard. Going through the miscarriage, going through that grieving process, trying to understand what our future looks like and being able to really just accept our current reality is really, really hard. And we're both grieving differently. In the miscarriage, my body has gone through a lot of changes. I was really, really sick. Those were things that Mike didn't go through, but what he did go through was the pain and the fear of also taking care of me and so losing you and losing me um potentially you were very sick i had sepsis which is why i had a miscarriage and i almost lost my life and so mike dealt with that fear and then i felt with the fight for my body and then before this um several years ago we were parents to um two kids who we got overnight and we raised them for over half their lives and then we went through an excruciating court battle trying to keep our family together and then we lost those two kids overnight and that one went from us being a family of four to now there was just two of us and our relationship for so long had been 
being parents that had been wrapped up in fighting for the kids in core and, and our identity our entire that was our entire identity yeah. in ourself and in our relationship and so once we lost the kids we looked at each other and and it truly was like it wasn't like who are you but it was kind of like who who are who are you who am i who are we who are we who are we because once your entire identity just shifts in a, in at the snap of a finger, you have to figure it out again. And it's hard to know where to start. And yeah. and it's really hard in the beginning because when you feel so much grief, it's really easy to want to feel anger instead because anger is an easier emotion to feel than being sad. And a lot of times we project that anger out on the person that's closest to us, which is normally our spouse. So there were times that I would get really angry or really frustrated with Mike, but it had nothing to do with Mike. It had to do with me having just lost my kids, being so incredibly sad and not knowing what to do, not just, just not knowing what to do at all. And we had to figure out really quickly what our relationship was going to look like moving forward if we were going to put in the effort to stay together if staying together uh, was going to be healthy for us then we needed to put some parameters and some some intentions into our marriage so that we could actively work together in healing instead of drifting farther apart and so the life would be good again we didn't want to just feel like we were floundering for the rest of our lives and have it be tasteless and and terrible we wanted to be happy we just needed to figure out how to do that and so we started doing a lot of research but to be honest a lot of what we did was very intuitive and we we looked inside of ourselves we looked at each other we we we've identified for the today's show three of the biggest things that we have done and continue to do in order to get close to each other and to stay close because it's something that you have to continually work at. And, and as we were talking about what we wanted to share on this, I looked at Ashley and I said, you know, I, I think the overarching principle here that we want to share is that sticking together is a choice and it's an intentional decision that both sides have to make. It's not just... It, it, you can't just fly by the seat of your pants. You have to engage intentionally. And that's, that's the biggest thing. So the things that we're going to talk about today, those three biggest things have to do with that. And they're all very intentional things. The journey beyond trauma, it needs forward movement. A lot of times when we're grieving, when we've just gone through a traumatic experience, our lives can start feeling really stuck and stagnant because we don't know how to move forward. And it's so important during those times that we come up with tools for ourselves that we put in our toolkit that allow us to feel like we keep moving forward. Uh, otherwise, things feel like they start crumbling around us. So even if you have these three things that we're going to talk about today, it's not going to matter if you don't do them. Every single, every single journey that all of us are on requires us to do things that allow us to take steps moving forward. And I don't think they're supposed to be easy either. Just understanding that from the get-go is that 
it's not necessarily going to be super easy, but it's possible. And you, just like us, are capable of doing this. You are strong enough to do it right now with, with what you have. You don't need anything else. You can do it. Should we jump into the three? Yeah, but before we do that, I actually want to ask you a question because I know that so many of our listeners have had miscarriages and we often hear the perspective of a woman and I also often hear that um, wives don't necessarily feel like their spouse is grieving the same way they are through the miscarriage because it's a different experience for them. But I wanted to ask you so that we could hear from a man's perspective just very quickly, what has grieving the loss of Jace been like for you? To answer it quickly is very difficult, but because it's such a complex situation, as a man, I look at this situation of grieving the loss of my child that, you know, I've actually been told that it's not about me. It's about her. Um, that I I need to just support her and be there for her. And and that while that's true, I think that as a man, I'm also I have the right to be sad, to have support, to need help, to ask for help to do things physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually that are going to help me progress further. And there's nothing wrong with needing that help. If I didn't seek out that help, if I hadn't over the past six months since losing Jace, I would be a very different man than I am right now. I wouldn't be able to be there for Ashley like I needed to, or for myself, or for my work, or my other family members. It's very important that as a man, we understand that these feelings and these emotions are supposed to be there and that it's okay to cry. It's okay to be really, really mad and to not understand it. But it's also okay to move forward. And I think something you just said is that you have the right to grieve. And I also want to say you have the humanness to grieve. Our... Our spouses are human also. And I think a lot of times, specifically with miscarriage, there's a lot of obviously um, attention on the woman making sure that she's healing and that she's okay. Um, but as as my husband, you lost your child also. And so having being able for us to kind of get into our own little huddle and and not listen to what other people are telling or asking us and instead ask each other like hey how are you really doing right now um which actually this is going to lead us into the three things that we do to grieve together and stick together when our world falls apart and the first one is having check-ins with each other and and this the most important thing of having a check-in with each other is the honest and open communication. Because if that gets lost, having check-ins is not going to matter because someone's going to be hiding something from the other person. What is a check-in specifically? I was actually just going to ask you, would you walk us through what our check-ins look like? Sure. It doesn't have to be anything super planned. In fact, it 
probably shouldn't be because when we have our check-ins, it's because I'm actually stopping what I'm doing and looking at Ashley and seeing how she's doing. Or I have the wherewithal to say, hey, can I have a check-in? I, I need to talk. And it's not unloading or dumping your feelings or your emotions on the other person. It's having a conversation about it. It's one person is talking and expressing as deep as they want and the other person is listening actively, putting away the phone, turning off the TV, putting down the, the hobby or the other thing and really being there with them present. Because that attention and that energy that the other person, the listening person is giving to the, the person who wants to express is what heals. So walk them through, you know, you're in your office working, I'm in on the other side of the house writing, doing my thing. When you feel like you want to check in or you feel like I need to check in, can you walk us through exactly what that looks like so that they have that tool on how they can approach their spouse? Yes, the decision is already, it's already made. The decision was already made that when these situations happen, I will be ready. I will, I will stop what I'm doing. I will pay attention to it. And when it happens, we come together and we, we typically will come together for anywhere from five to 30 minutes and we'll just have conversations about it. We'll be as close or as far apart physically from each other that we want to. And to start it out, one of us will say, hey, can we have a check-in right yeah, now? One of, we literally say that. And mm -hmm. that's kind of that key word of, okay, the word check-in has just been used. This means that for the next however many minutes, we're both going to get very honest with our feelings and everything else is put away. And this is our time to really lean into how each other is feeling. Yeah, and it's an amazing experience because both of you are getting vulnerable. Both of you are opening up. There's a lot of healing that happens very quickly. It's painful. It you feel because you're in your you're in those feelings, you're in those emotions and you feel it all. You must allow yourself to feel what you are feeling in order for it to truly work. And in those conversations too, some of the things that you can realize as you're talking to the spouse um, are things like, hey, maybe we need to go to therapy to help work through this. Or, hey, maybe I need to go to therapy. Or, hey, I want to support you while you go to therapy. That Those check-in times, if you can talk to your spouse beforehand and say, hey, I want to try doing this. We're going to do it every day. And you could even, you could even just say in the beginning, we're going to do it daily. And so everyone's just prepared for it. Um, and then it can kind of just transform from there, but being able to, to know that it's coming and that becomes just a normal part of your day so that you're talking to each other. What was happening with Mike and I is that I shut down when I am just so sad. I turn inwards. I don't want people talking to me. I don't want people touching me. I want to be by myself. And so it was very easy, especially when we lost the older two kids there would be times where we wouldn't talk to each other for days. days. I mean, to be honest. And that's the opposite of me. And it, that's hard because I'll sit there looking at Ashley and say, hey, how are you doing? Trying to get her to open up, trying to get her to check in with me. But I'm not getting anything. And she said, I have nothing to say. 
And I didn't. I was so sad. I felt like my emotions were eating any other thing that mm-hmm. I had. And this is where getting very intentional with your relationship and the tools that you're bringing in is so important because it would have been so easy for me to never talk to Mike for a really long time because I was so sad and it would have further destroyed our marriage and we probably wouldn't be sitting here in this closet doing this <laughs> right now. Very close together. <laughs> um, so that's why having check-ins are so important. The second thing that has totally just, man, this has brought us so close together and it's so simple, which is why I love it, but it's finding hobbies and doing things together. One of the things that really helped our healing progress together instead of individually was we discovered that we love boxing. And Mike went for the first time when we moved to Nashville and he invited me to go and I was terrified because it just felt so intimidating and I I was just intimidating. I was just intimidated and so I was like, I'm not going to do that. And, and so he just kept going and I saw how much he loved it and he asked me again and I was like, okay, I'm going to go with you this one time. And I went the one time and I loved it. And so it's something that we started doing together and being able to have boxing as a way to release my anger to release um just like this built up grief that I had and then being able to do it together we were now starting to transform and heal together instead of individually and I think that was a big turning point for us don't you because up till that point we had been grieving separately for months and months yeah it was a huge turning point something else that we discovered because in our healing journey together and as individuals, there's been there's been a variety of different activities and things that we've done. Some of them are a little bit more expensive. Some of them are free uh, in terms of what it costs. But one of the things that we also loved was traveling. Traveling took us out physically and literally of the situations that we had found ourselves in. Takes you out of the pain. Takes so, you out of the pain. And being able to see together that the world is bigger than our pain because mm-hmm. when we get stuck in our pain together, it that's all we can see. And so being able to be reminded while we would travel and experience new things together, that life existed outside of our bubble of pain was very refreshing to us. And we wanted to bring in pieces of that into our bubble um, so that our bubble now, our bubble of grief, grief could expand and become bigger so that it just wasn't feeling so sad and lonely inside all the time. Yeah. Other times we do watercolor together or individually. Ashley's quite a bit better than I am at that, I'll admit. We'll play Scrabble, also something she's a lot better at. But we'll just do simple things that bring us closer together, that provide new, positive, clean energy, and it replaces the feelings of grief that we have. We also now do things like yoga and meditation together. Cooking. Cooking is actually something that we've gotten, like it's been fun this past few months. And I think we're, (laughs) I think we've gotten kind of good at it too. We've gotten good at it. Yeah. So it's fun to be able to just notice that you and your spouse are progressing forward, that you're getting better at something together and you're able to stay connected that way. Okay, the third thing. 
The third thing is... And this one is so important, so we're going to spend a little bit of time here. What I mentioned earlier about how I really wanted Ashley to open up, to talk, to be as vocal about her feelings and her thoughts as I tend to be. I'm very open with it, especially with her, is I had to learn how to help her the way that she wanted to be helped. I had to let her heal and process and move forward and be strong in the way that she wanted to do it. Not the way that I thought that she should or the time that I thought that she should or, or matching the way that I was doing it, but really be aware of, of her and allow her to, to heal the way that she wanted and needed to heal herself. No, grieving alone individually is really hard. It's just hard. You're grieving, you're going through trauma, you're processing emotions, you're sad, you feel the pain. And then when you add in the component of grieving with a partner, a spouse, someone that you love, it gets really tricky because you grieve differently. What you need is different. And so when you're already stuck in your pain and then you see their partner and they're not processing their pain like you're processing yours, sometimes you might think things like, oh, well, they're not as affected as I am or why aren't you grieving like I Does am? It, like, do you not care? Do you not care? Do you why aren't not, you trying to heal? Why, why are you not supporting me when you see me sad yeah. and, and your spouse could think that they are? But when we're not helping each other the way that our spouse needs to be helped, it causes a lot of frustration. This actually circles fully back to then number one of having check-ins because that check-in time, that safe time is an opportunity to let each other know what it is that that you need from them. Um, sometimes now <laughs> when I'm sad or upset because Mike, we've had enough of these conversations, Mike will ask me, is this a situation where you want my input and advice or is this a situation where you just want me to listen to you? And often I'm like, I just want you to listen to me. I don't want you to solve my problem. That's a nice way of saying what typically happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was a good way of phrasing it. Thank you. I think that Ashley said it very well, but anyone, whether you're a man or a woman, looking at the other person who you're looking at and just being aware, taking enough time and slowing down enough so that you can understand what you need to do because you are smart. You can get cues. You can learn them. You can ask. You can ask for things. You can, you can ask them what they're thinking. But one of the things that has helped me the most in any time that I've grieved is people just appear yesterday on the due date for Jace, one of my very good friends just called me and said, Hey man, I just wanted to let you know, I love you. And I think that you're doing a really good job. And we laughed and we, you know, we talked about it all, but it was very helpful. It was very helpful. And then other best friends that I have, we've all, we've talked about it in the past where they don't, they don't call on those hard days because they know that there's it for them. It's easier to talk the other days because it, it's just not something that they're capable of doing. And so I don't, I don't expect a call from those other people. We talk so 
much other times and about other things and I understand that they're helping me the best that they can too. So having expectations about how other people should show up for you and how and how you think that they expect you to show up is is not what you need. You just have to show up how the other person wants. Yeah, and being able again to to understand what it is that your spouse needs and wants is how you can move forward together. I will say that if one of us wasn't committed to being intentional in healing and and grieving together, this wouldn't work. No. It, grieving with your partner does not work if any person in that partnership opts out of it. Yeah. The only way to heal and truly stick together when the world, your world is falling apart is to do it together. Will you talk about our role or the role that therapy has also played in our healing process? Because I think that a lot of times too, it's hard to ask for help. It's hard to ask for professional help. There's still these stigmas around it that are just so false and we freak ourselves out and a lot of times we also you know as we just talked about we need to help our our partner um, in the way that they would want to be helped well we also have to not count on our partner to help us Mm. in all the places that we need help and I think a lot of times we can start relying on our partner, this one person who's also griefing, who's also human, who's also trying to figure it out. And we get upset when they're, when we're not receiving from them everything that we need. And what we really need is more professional help. And, and we need other tools because our partner can't be the only thing that's making us feel better. That expectation on them is so unfair and unhealthy that that will never work. And so, for me, it's been very important to go to individual therapy. I have to. That is something that Mike cannot do for me. It is something that I cannot expect him to do for me. Um, I need to process certain things and gain certain tools from a professional. And and so I would also love for you, Mike, to touch on how therapy has helped you as a man because I know that that's something that's not talked about often. Yeah, so I, as I've been going through these different processes throughout the past several years, I've been to therapy a lot. Do I like it? No. Why? Because it makes me feel uncomfortable while I'm getting ready to go to it. But then when I'm there, everything shifts. Everything becomes easier as I open my mouth, my mind, and my heart. And as I allow the wisdom and the tools from others who are far more experienced than I am, allow, as I allow them to pour into me, I like I can't like Ashley says I can't re, you know emphasize this enough. The other person on on the end of the conversation, you know, your partner, they're not equipped to help like you need, at least a hundred percent of the way. They can get you pretty far, but there are certain things in order to get complete healing that professionals are trained to do. And after we lost Jace, I didn't want to go to therapy. Ashley 
mentioned it to me several times and I just didn't feel like I was ready. And I didn't want to feel the pain. I wanted to try to mask it. I didn't want to live through it over and over. And I felt like I had enough tools that I'd be able to handle it on my own. And I, you know, for the most part, I did a pretty good job. But then there, there came a point a few months back where I needed to start working through some things. And so I sought out help. And I'm not embarrassed about it at all. Because why would I be embarrassed when I'm healing and getting stronger? And when I'm finding things that are working for me, that's not embarrassing, that's empowering, and it's exciting. And if you're listening to this right now thinking, you know, I've been putting off healing or I've been putting off something, it's time to consider the different options that you have and to figure out a way that you can continue to to heal with the help of others. I think also, as we're talking about therapy, you know, I'm hearing in my own mind, well, what are some other objections um, outside of being embarrassed that people might have? And I, I think another one is the cost. Therapy can be very expensive. And the good news is that there's so many free resources out there. If it is too expensive, there are so many support groups for for basically every type of loss or or traumatic situation that I can think of, there are free support groups that are happening. Seek them out. Find them. Go alone. Go with your spouse. I just know that the hard things that we go through aren't supposed to tear us apart. The hard things that we go through can actually make us be stronger in the long run, but it's going to take a lot of intentional actions with your spouse to get there. But the good news is, is that it just starts with one intentional action. You don't have to do all of them all at once. It's literally one step at a time. So today, I just want to ask you, what is your one step? What is the one thing that you can do today to start grieving with your spouse so that you guys can stick together and go do that thing. Maybe it's that you invite them to listen to this podcast with you. Like that can be your easy, simple step. And then tomorrow you decide that you're going to start doing daily check-ins. And that's it. That's where you start. Our healing journey has been years now. And just when we thought like, okay, we really came through to the other side, you guys, then we lost our baby boy. Like, and that's, this is why healing is so important is because if you don't address it, it just keeps compounding and compiling on top of each other. And if we didn't have the tools that we had when we lost Jace, I think we would have just completely imploded, exploded individually and as a couple. It would have been too much. And it doesn't have to be too much. It's hard, but it's harder when we do it alone when we don't have to. The only other thing I want to add is that I don't want people to do what I have done and and thinking that burying it is easier, that going through it by yourself is the only way to go. If you don't have an ear to listen to you, like Ashley said, there are so many people that want 
to hear you, that want to help you. These free resources exist. Google is an amazing resource to find these. They're local. They're you know they're through Zoom, and it's it's gonna be okay. You you can do it. So just don't feel truly don't feel like you're doing this alone or that you have to or that no one out there will want to listen because I promise you the other person on on the end of the table or on the other side of the couch they want to help you but they're trying to figure out their own stuff too and and what we've said today it's going to change your relationship it's going to change your life we love you you've got this see you next week Thank you for joining me on today's episode of the I Am Podcast. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. I love hearing from you online. So if there's something that really resonated with you, come and let me know. Share a screenshot of this podcast and tag me on Instagram at Ashley Kalemu so I can see what's impacting you the most. It might even help your friends. And remember, every time you ask yourself, am I really strong enough to do this? The answer is, I am. See you next week. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.